this slide doesn't apply to you. If you are watching online and like to receive the full sermon of this blueprint of the church series, uh, the one for this morning was six pages long, uh, you can get that by emailing me. I'm going to use the email address I use for my uh, students uh, overseas, my preacher students, and that is teachermichaelcox at gmail.com. If you're watching this uh, online, you can send me an email, and then every Tuesday you will get the um, sermon in an email sent to you. If you are here in the building, you don't have to worry about that, because you're going to get it automatically, okay? If you receive our uh, customary uh, email updates about prayer needs and such like, uh, you will get that uh, sent to you already, so you already get it. Now, we resume our series on Joseph. Tonight, it's healing the problems in your family. Where are we with Joseph? Joseph has been sold to Egypt. He goes to Egypt. He works for a man named Potiphar. But then he gets accused, falsely accused, and he ends up in prison. And there in prison, he helps two men to interpret their dreams. One man lives, one man dies. The man who lived was supposed to inform Pharaoh about Joseph, but he forgot. He just didn't do it. So Joseph remained in prison a few more years until finally... There's a dream that Pharaoh has, and no one can interpret that dream. So the man remembers, hey, there was a guy in prison that helped me interpret my dream. Maybe he can interpret your dream, Pharaoh. So the call goes to Pharaoh, from Pharaoh to Joseph. Joseph appears before Pharaoh. He interprets the dream. Seven good years, and then seven bad years. Joseph is put in as second in charge, and then we have the good years. Everything goes well. They stockpile the grain, but then we have the seven bad years start. And somewhere about two years into those seven bad years, Joseph, Joseph is going to get a visit from his family. Many years ago, in fact, back in the 1950s, an ad appeared in a Kansas newspaper. The ad read, We will oil your sewing machine and adjust the tension in your home for only a dollar. Wouldn't it be great if that was true? Wouldn't it be great if you just pay a dollar and get the tension, the problems, the difficulties in your family solved overnight. But we all realize that doesn't happen that way, does it? No, it doesn't. It's not possible. There are no quick fixes. But there are tensions that come up in our relationships, in our family, in our home, and that tension can be adjusted. Because it happened for Joseph here in chapter 42. 
Because, see, Joseph has been restored. He is back in a good position. But there's one thing that's lacking in his life. And that is family connections. He feels isolated because he's by himself there in Egypt and his blood family is up in the promised land. There's distance there. Well, God is going to repair this relationship and he is going to repair it through adversity. Let's look at chapter 42. Now, Tim read verses 1 and 2. What's happening? We're about two years into the bad. It's been roughly 22 years since Joseph was sold as a slave to Egypt. And Jacob and his family, they need some help. Jacob is going to send the brothers to Egypt. But you know what? Jacob doesn't really trust these brothers. He remembers what happened to his favorite son. Joseph died, or at least he thinks Joseph died. So what does he do? I'll keep Benjamin right here. You other ten, you go down to Egypt and you get what we need down there. The brothers come face to face with Joseph. But Joseph now looks like an Egyptian. He's dressed like an Egyptian. He looks like an Egyptian. He can speak the Egyptian language. So they don't recognize him. So what do they do? They end up bowing down to him. Do you remember that dream? you remember that dream that Joseph had so many years ago? There in the promised land, he told his family, I had a dream that you would bow down to me. That dream is fulfilled. You see, Joseph, his dream, he thought he would be the leader of his little tribe. Instead, he is second in charge of the mighty nation of Egypt. Look at verse 7, chapter 42, verse number 7. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. What's Joseph doing? He's testing them. He's testing his brothers. Are they sorry for what they did about 22 years ago? Are they ready to make a change in their life? He said to them, where, where do you come from? Exactly where are you coming from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. What's God doing? You see, Joseph is testing his brothers, but God is bringing this family back together again. He is healing the tension. He is solving the problem. He's going to bring these brothers back to be a family once again. And God is using adversity. That's true. 
He's using these seven bad years to bring this family back to where they need to be. A while back, a scientist observed an ant. He was back in his backyard working, and he saw this ant. And what caught his attention was this ant was doing all he could to drag a piece of straw with him. Now, an ant is quite small, and a piece of straw was actually bigger than the ant. So the ant was having a, a terrible time getting that straw along the path. And then the ant came to a big crack in the ground. What would the ant do? Well, the ant managed to swing that piece of straw to be over the crack, and then he walked across to the other side. I tell that story for a reason. You see, that ant created a bridge. The ant's burden became a bridge. And that's what God can do for you and me if we trust Him. If we trust God to do it. If you want to restore broken relationships, if you want to mend fences, then you must first rely on God to turn your burdens, your problems, into bridges. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord to use whatever situation you're in, even the problems you're in, the adversity, to bring you back together, to mend those fences, to make relationships better again. Please, whatever you do, don't let your burdens become a barrier because that's what can easily happen. They can become a barrier and that can separate us from others. Don't use adversity, problems, situations, difficulties as an excuse to cut off and sever relationships. Instead, trust God to turn your burden into a bridge to bring family back together, to bring friends back together, to bring people back together to make things right again. For 11 years, a lady in Louisville, Kentucky, her name was Mary Leonard, she dealt with a, a horrible disease called polymyositis. It's a, a somewhat rare uh, infl uh, tissue disease uh, uh, that invades the muscles. So far, we don't know of any known cure for that disease. The problem for Mary, her case turned deadly when the disease invaded her heart. In fact, in March 2010, Mary was told by her doctors, you only have probably a day or two to live. Well, that frightened her, of course. They put her immediately into hospice care. But guess what? She kept on living. A week, two weeks, four weeks, a couple of months. So they then moved her from hospice care over to rehab. She was there for a couple of months. And finally they sent her home because she was doing so much better. Mary's brush with death taught her some lessons that she learned. Lesson number one, know that prayer is powerful. 
Why is prayer powerful? Because we serve a powerful God. Prayer is powerful. Lesson number two. Men fences now. Because you never know what's on the other side. You never know what will happen tomorrow. Men fences now. One of the saddest things I ever dealt with was I was called to the ER, the hospital. A young man had been brought in and had a, a wreck. The, it was rainy. The conditions were very wet. And he had had an accident. He had run into the side of a bridge. And he had basically died at the scene. I got there because it was going to be a tough situation for that family because that wife, that young wife, she was only 23 years old. They had had a fight that morning. He had left in a huff. The very last thing that he said to her, or the very last thing that she said to him was, I hope I never see you again. She was so mad. The next thing she knew, her husband was dead. Men fences now because we have no promise of tomorrow. Number three, release. Release the reins of life to God. Let God be in control. Let His Word dictate. Let His Word guide you. Number four, know that God is able to do whatever we need. Whatever you need, God is more than able to take care of our problems. And number five, put your focus on what's really, what really matters. It doesn't matter if you get that promotion or not. It doesn't matter if someone climbs over the, the ladder over you and gets that promotion. It doesn't matter what happens at school. It doesn't matter what happens in our communities. What matters is what is eternal and that's heaven it matters that we get there adversity I think adversity has a way of helping us to focus on what really matters and most of the time what really matters most is mending and healing broken relationships you see, adversity, problems, difficulties can either make one person bitter or can make that person better. It all really depends on the attitude that you choose. Do you find yourself going through a rough patch now? Then let's take the attitude of trust. Trust the Lord to use your situation in your life to mend your broken relationships. Rely on God to turn your burden into a bridge where you can be reconciled with the people that really matter in your life. It's often, it's often how broken relationships are restored. But that's only the first step. For in order for broken relationships to be truly restored... For fences to be mended, you must not only rely on God, but you also must recognize your own sin. 
Realize the wrongs that you yourself have done that may be led to the breaks in those relationships. That's what Joseph's brothers are about to realize. And they realize with Joseph's help. Look at verse 8. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them and said to them, you are spies. Remember, he's testing them. Have you matured? Have you grown? Are you still like you were 22 years ago? Or are you better? You are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of, our, of the land. And they said to him, No, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. Well, that's true. We are honest men. That's not true. Are they honest? No. They've been concealing a lie for about 22 years. They let their father assume that Joseph died at the hands of, a, of an animal. They let their father believe a lie. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. We're not spies. We're honest men. That's not exactly true. So what does Joseph do? He puts them in prison for three days. Now don't think that's a payback. That's no. Joseph is still testing them. Are you sorry for what happened? Are you ready to repent of your past? Look at verse number 17. So he put them all together in prison three days. Then Joseph said to them the third day, Do this and live, for I fear God. If you're honest men, you say you're honest men. You claim to be honest, which we know they're not. If you're honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to the prison house. Let one stay here. But you go and carry grain for the famine of your houses. Take food back and bring your youngest brother. You told me there was one younger that was still back home. Of course, we know that to be Benjamin. Bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified. If you want to verify what you're telling me, bring that youngest brother back with you and you shall not die. And they did so. Joseph is giving them an opportunity, an opportunity to face up to what they had done to him roughly 22 years ago. Joseph keeps Simeon, the second oldest, to ensure they will return. But Joseph, he begins to weep because he's beginning to see a slight change in his brothers. Because finally they confess that they are guilty. Verse 21, then they said to one another, we are truly guilty. See, Joseph is listening in. The brothers have no idea that Joseph can understand them. 
He had been using a translator, so they thought that he couldn't understand their speech, their language. We are truly guilty concerning our brother. They're talking about Joseph. For we saw, they think back, about 22 years ago. Remember how it was, the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us. He pleaded, don't do this to me. He pleaded with us and what we would not hear. Therefore, this distress, our problem, has come upon us because what we did to Joseph 22 years ago. And Reuben, being the oldest, he answered them saying, Did I not speak to you? Saying, Do not sin against the boy. I told you don't do that. And you would not listen. Therefore, behold, Joseph's blood is now required of us. This is all because of what we did to Joseph. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. And he turned himself away from them and wept. Joseph is slowly seen what he wanted to see, a change in his brothers. Confession is required. You know, that's hard to do, isn't it? Because in this story, who do we want to be? Who do we want to be? Do we want to be Joseph or do we want to be the brothers? Well, we want to be Joseph. We want to be the guy that's always done good. We want to be the guy that has been wronged. We want to be the guy that is faultless. That's not it. We're more like the brothers. We do things from time to time that hurt. We say things from time to time that hurt. We commit sins against each other that hurt. You see, we're more like Joseph's brothers than Joseph. A woman who had inherited a sum of money, she wanted to do a little history of her family. She was proud of her family, and she wanted other people to know about her family. So she hired a noted writer to write a biography of her family. Unfortunately, the biographer found a skeleton in the closet. One of her grandfathers that she did not know about had actually died in the electric chair in Sing Sing Prison. He was a horrible man, and he had committed horrible crimes. Well, the biographer told the woman, Here, here's what I found. I, I got to include it in the story of your family. She said, well, you can't do that. I mean, that's horrible. Can't, can't you change it up just a little bit and make my family look a little better? So here's what the writer wrote. One of her grandfathers occupied the chair of applied electricity in one of America's best-known institutions. He was very much attached to his position and literally died in the harness. Oh, my it's hard to face the truth, isn't it? Especially if the truth is about us, you and me. But until we can do it, there can be no reconciliation. 
and healing of broken relationships. You see, you have, you can have all the answers in the world, but the answers do you no good if you don't know you have a problem. And often in our relationships, we don't see the problem that we have caused. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need that. We need that cleansing. Remember the story in Luke 18 of the tax collector and the Pharisee who went to the temple to pray? Jesus told that parable. The parable about the guy who, who looked around and he said, I'm, I'm so thankful, God, that I'm not like this, 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 or even that tax collector. See that tax collector over there? Well, I'm glad I'm not like him. And the tax collector would not even look up. He just looked down and said, be merciful to me, a sinner. Who did Jesus praise in that story? It was the tax collector who realized he had a lot that needed to be forgiven. A right relationship with God begins when you admit your own sinfulness before God. And a right relationship with each other in our families begins in the very same way. If we want, if you want your broken relationship to be restored, first, rely on the Lord to turn your burden into bridges. Number two, recognize your own sin. And finally, if you want true healing, your relationships. Repent of your sins. Let's look. Verse 25. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain to restore every man's money to his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. They take off. They eventually discover what Joseph has done. Uh-oh, it's going to look like we have now stolen everything. What's happening? Verse 28, my money has been restored and there it is and in my sack. Then their hearts failed them. Why? Because it looks like they have done something wrong. And they were afraid, saying to one another, what is this that God has done to us? They're still thinking, this goes back to what we did to Joseph. We're getting our payback for what has happened to Joseph. When they finally get to Jacob back home and they tell Jacob about what has happened and about how that this man in Egypt is demanding to see Benjamin. Jacob says, verse 36, And Jacob their father said to them, you have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon, he's no more. And you want to take Benjamin? All these things are against me. Then Reuben, you want to see a change? Then Reuben said to his father, saying, Kill my two sons, 
if I do not bring him back. If I don't bring Benjamin back to you, kill my two sons, put him in my hands, and I'll bring him back to you. These brothers are certainly changing. Finally, 22 years or so, it took them, but they are changing. They are facing up to their sins. You know, this chapter, chapter 42, is full of sorrow, it's full of fear. That's actually a good thing. Because it's leading Joseph's brothers into a real change of attitude and behavior. In the very next chapter, in the very next chapter, one of Joseph's brothers who wanted to kill Joseph more than 20 22 years prior, offers to give his own life for another one of the brothers. What we see here is godly sorrow, which brings repentance. And that's what it takes to see healing in our relationships. Like Joseph's brothers, you must be sorry enough to turn from your sins. A few years ago, a pig traveled first class on a United, actually on a U.S. Airlines flight. Now, how did that pig travel first class? Well, the owner of the pig convinced U.S. Airways that that was a service animal, like a CNI dog, you know, a service animal. So they got the pig on the flight. That was the easy part. The rest of the flight was a disaster. The pig, when it got it, when the, the plane got it in the air, the pig went berserk, you know, and was squealing and got loose on the plane, and, and he was running up and down the aisle, and the passengers were all panicking and they were yelling and crying. The ladies were crying. It was a disaster. When the plane finally landed, the pig got loose in the terminal, and it took five men to finally corral that pig down. When a representative for U.S. Airways was asked about the pig that flew first class, here's what he said. We can confirm that the pig traveled, and we can confirm that it will never, ever happen again. That is true repentance. True repentance is making the commitment to get rid of the stinking pig, whatever that may be which has damaged the relationship between you and God and the relationship between you and your friends and family. True healing in relationships begin when in reliance on God, you recognize your own sin with a remorse that leads to full repentance. Are you suffering from a broken relationship? How is your relationship with God, first and foremost? How is your relationships with your friends, with your family? Does something need to happen to make it better? Well, you can make it better. First off, if you're not a Christian, that is to become a Christian, to believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. As a Christian, you can seek forgiveness. Isn't it wonderful that God will forgive? The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. Xander has a song selected to encourage you. We pray that song will encourage you as we stand and sing for your encouragement.